When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am really excited to be making this announcement. Through the Starfleet Leadership Academy, I am now offering one-on-one coaching. You've been listening to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, right? You know what I can do. I'm able to help you learn in a fun and engaging way. My one-on-one coaching will help you apply the concepts that you learn in the Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast and even more to your own life and career. With my help, you'll be able to take your career to the next level. You'll be able to lead teams more effectively, make better decisions, and even achieve your goals faster than before. Contact me today for special pricing on this new an exciting service. Contact me by visiting starfleetleadership.academy slash contact or hitting me up on social media at SFLA podcast on Twitter or at Jeff T. Aiken anywhere. Contact me today and start getting coached through the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. The Red Squad Recruitment Drive is almost over. If you haven't subscribed to the Patreon or upgraded your subscription, now is the time to do it. Click the link in the show notes right away. All new and upgrading members will be invited to a live Ask Me Anything meet and greet. So go ahead. I'll I'll stand by while you click the link and subscribe. Cool. Awesome. Hey, glad you did it. Welcome to Red Squad. Has anyone ever told you that it's your duty to do something? What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm going to talk about what duty is and how you can determine what your duty actually is. I'm also going to share the singular hack that will allow you to solve most any problem you come across at work. And I'm going to do that by breaking down how Lieutenant Uhura does exactly that in the fourth episode of the first season of Star Trek, the animated series, The Lorelei Signal. The Enterprise is heading to a sector of space where ships have been disappearing. After collaborating with the Klingons and Romulans, they've timed it down to the second when ships go missing. If my calculations are correct, Captain, we have 20 seconds to go. They hear a sound, almost like singing, come over the comms. They head to a planet in the Turian system. 
The men on the ship seem drawn to the singing. It seems to be calling us. But the women are unaffected. Uhura notes it, and Nurse Chapel validates it. The men are affected and are even having visions, but the women, the women just hear a sound. They just hear singing. Despite this, despite knowing all of this, when they reach the planet, they leave Scotty in command while Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and some other men beam down to investigate. After they leave, Uhura notices that Spock was reading his instruments wrong. That he, he was hallucinating his readings. These figures just don't match up with Spock's. On the planet, the men end up in a structure. Inside, they're greeted by a large group of women. I am Thela, the head female. That all look nearly identical. In a very private experience between husband and wife, he gently places her in our female improvement system. They know the team's names and lots of details about them and the ship. They have a tool called the Opto-Odd that can, apparently, see everything. Well, they have a feast and a party to celebrate the Enterprise's arrival. After a while, all the men begin to pass out. Probably that nectar. As they're dragged away to rest, Thela sheds a tear. They wake up wearing some weird headbands and looking like they've aged, I don't know, like 40 years. On the ship, Uhura and Chapel are learning more about the signal. It's ultimately lethal to men. So Uhura begins to take charge. I want an all-woman security team on every transporter immediately. She even relieves Scotty from his post and assumes command of the ship herself. Kirk is reminded that he has duties, and this brings him a, a little lucidity. He and the landing party try to escape, but they're just too weak. I'm too weak. <laughs> oh. They're locked back in their room, but are able to pick the lock and escape. And then the chase is on. They end up hiding in a huge cistern, but because they're so weak, they're trapped inside of it. They discuss what's happened, and Spock figures out that the headbands are draining their life force and transferring it to the women. All the men on the ship are in huge danger. I'm in danger! After a big team effort and a lot of help, they're able to get Spock out of the cistern. He uses the Optoad to locate their equipment and updates Uhura on everything that's happened. The all-woman security teams Box Force 5. beam down to the planet. Thela tells him to take a hike, but Uhura isn't backing down. Until we find Captain Kirk, we will not leave. And she just starts blasting. They stun the captors and start searching for the men. They find Spock and get him back to the ship, but they can't find the others. Thela finally comes clean and explains everything that's happening. Their people came to this planet a long, long time ago, not knowing that it drains the life force from the men. And as they learned that, they also found out that women gained new powers of influence. The catch is that they have to recharge, revitalize every 27 years by draining the life from other men. Death! <laughs> Bye, snoo, snoo. They find the rest of the landing party and free them from the cistern. They get them back to the ship, but they're not sure how to save them. Nothing, absolutely nothing that Nurse Chapel has tried is working. But Spock has an idea. Perhaps the transporter is the key. They're going to use the pattern buffers in the transporters to try to reconcile their current physical state with their pattern when they first beam down to the planet. Now, this is super, super risky. Their patterns will break up. Scatter in space. But if they don't do anything, they're going to die. So they go for it. It's touch and go for a minute, but it works. 
On the planet, Thela destroys the Optoad, and Uhura says an all-female ship will be by to pick him up and take them to a suitable planet where they should be able to return to normal. They're very thankful. Oh, it is a much better future than immortality. And the Enterprise takes off on to another adventure. Our first animated series episode. What did you think? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I was team TAS from the beginning, but it's really grown on me. As the series that was meant to continue the five-year journey of the Enterprise, it honestly does a pretty great job. But what about this one? Is this one just a, I don't know, a corny, low-budget cartoon? Or does it stack up with the, well, <laughs> with the, well, kind of, corny, not as low budget as you'd think, original series episodes. Cut the quartz, quartz is fun. Come right now, don't walk, run! Hey Brent, have you ever seen Babylon 5 before? Babylon 5? Mean that show from the 90s? Yep. No. You want to watch it for the first time? Let's do it. Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We're searching for Star Trek-like messages in the series and deciding if we should have watched it sooner. You can find us on Good Pods, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Babylon 5, for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. Are you a leader, a Star Trek fan? Do you love the lessons and strategies taught on the Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast? Visit jeffakin.com forward slash store to get shirts, mugs, and other great merchandise to show off where you have learned all the great strategies and lessons that are taught on the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit jeffakin.com forward slash store or click on the link in the show notes to support the podcast and look good doing it. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. The animated series. Ah, each episode starts super strong. I mean, this theme is fantastic. What a fun take on a classic. Sci-fi is awesome because you can tell stories about society and humanity that you can't really tell otherwise. I talk about a lot of these in the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode with Eliza Van Court. But if you add animation to sci-fi, <laughs> you can get away with even more. Gene Roddenberry started writing a version of this very episode for the original series, but, but it didn't get the green light. Make it a cartoon, though. And now... Now it's totally cool to let a woman of color take command of the Enterprise. The story's solid. It's told pretty well. I feel like it was missing quite a bit, though. Like at the end, when Thela destroys the Optoad and starts talking about an agreement that was made. Like, what agreement? Oh, this, this one that Uhura is now apparently out of nowhere filling some blanks on? Yeah, that agreement? I don't know. Kind of came out of nowhere. But the most distracting part of this episode, where I have to believe that they accidentally dropped, I don't know, a few feet of film on the floor, is when Thela is trying to explain everything to Uhura. To survive, we must vitalize each 27 years of your time. Instead, we are eternal prisoners. We neither age nor die. I mean, which is it? 
you have to revitalize or you can't die revitalize or die or don't die. What, what is it? How, how is it both for them? It just didn't make any sense. All of the animated series episodes have odd pacing and pretty wooden voice acting. That said, Nichelle Nichols was on point. She voices four different characters on this one and was excellent as Ohura. In the commentary track of the DVD release of the animated series, Nichols says that she was so excited for the opportunity to take command of the Enterprise. If this had happened live action in the original series, it may well be held up as high as the interracial kiss that she had with Kirk and Plato's stepchildren. The very first interracial kiss ever on television. Having a woman of color in command of the Enterprise wouldn't have been as big as that, maybe, admittedly, like for real, but still, it would have been huge. Instead, we get it here in a cartoon, and it's done well and in a pretty enjoyable episode. As far as the animated series goes, this one is one that's very much worth watching. Command codes verified. This episode came out in the fall of 1973. The world then was a very different place than it is now. And the timing of the episode is very important. You see, this year saw Watergate happen. The announcement of peace between America and Vietnam saw the Endangered Species Act signed into law in the United States, and Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes just nine days before this episode aired. Billie Jean King played her own game, resting up, being non-communicative, but preparing herself mentally and emotionally and physically for a stunning performance against Bobby Riggs. So seeing a woman of color take command of the iconic USS Enterprise was a really, really big deal. But there's taking command, and then there's leading. Before we look at that, I'm going to talk about the concept of duty and what that means to a leader. And then we're going to look at the ways Uhura demolished stereotypes and led the crew to safety. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support this podcast. Duty. The word itself conjures up thoughts and images in all of us. When I grew up, I was in the Scouts. I had a lot more fun as a Cub Scout. Just a little note there, but I learned a lot through all of my time there. We swore an oath at each meeting to do our duty. And that's what comes to mind for me. For others, it might make you think of, I don't know, blind adherence to a code, or it might bring up images of heroism. It honestly, honestly is a word that's not great for a lot of people, and it's been used historically to cause real harm. But with that in mind, I want to talk about duty in terms of leadership. It is, by definition, an action that is required. It might be required by law, a position, a culture, a religion, or, or, or anything else. For example, my... My dad passed away a few months ago at the time of this recording, and I have been the executor of his estate. I have a duty because of that position and because of the culture of my family to handle his affairs and see that his wishes are carried out. As a leader, we often have duties that are defined in law. In the United States, for example, if you're in a leadership or management position and a person brings a harassment or discrimination complaint to you, you are legally obligated to take action. It is your duty to take action. I would argue 
that it's also your duty because of your position as a leader to advocate for and protect the people you work with. Bottom line, duty is something you have to do. Now you can get really into the weeds with this concept and break out things that are your duty and things that are your obligation. Obligations are things you have to do for legal reasons or due to custom, things like that. And a duty is something with an anchor in your conscience or in your morality. Taking action on a complaint of discrimination, for example, is an obligation, while advocating for and protecting the people you work with would be a duty. Or another way to look at it, the way I like, duty is what gets me out of bed in the morning, while obligation is what they give me money to do, even if it is the right thing to do. Now, I bring all this up because we see the impact that duty can have on someone in this episode. The men are basically in a trance. It's a siren song that's brought them here, and they can barely remember their names. They're blindly following Thela's commands because of the spell they're under. That all changes, though, when Kirk is reminded about his duty to the ship. Yes. Duties. For Kirk, taking care of the Enterprise and his crew is what gets him out of bed in the morning. It's what excites him. It's rooted deeply in who he is and what's important to him. So when he's reminded of those duties, it gives him a moment of lucidity. Silent lucidity. For that moment, he's able to see through the fog from the siren song and remembers that they're there to investigate the disappearance of ships and he needs to save his crew. In the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode, TOS, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, I talked about how to develop your personal mission statement. Duty goes deeper than that statement, but you've got to have that first. There are some great examples of personal mission statements from some pretty famous and successful people. Maya Angelou says that hers is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Richard Branson's is to have fun in my journey through life and learn from my mistakes. And Oprah Winfrey, to be a teacher and to be known for inspiring my students to be more than they thought they could be. One of the reasons these people have been so successful is they live by these mission statements. Because they created a life with a mission. If they're offered an opportunity that doesn't line up with their mission, they don't do it. They say no. But if it does line up with their mission, they can say yes and yes with a lot of enthusiasm. Their mission and the duty that goes along with it gets them out of bed even when there's hard work in front of them. So what's your personal mission statement? Do you have one? If you do, (laughs) I'm dying to hear it. You can pop into our discussion group that's linked in the show notes or tag me on social media at Jeff T. Aiken. But if you don't have one, that's cool. I'm willing to bet that most people don't. My personal mission statement is to enrich the lives of others through my interactions with them. What you'll see in mine and the others I shared earlier is that there isn't a specific template that you have to match, but you'll also notice they're fairly broad and they don't go into real specific details. And even though there isn't a template, you can follow, you can follow one to help you get there. Here are two models that can at least get you started. The first one is a fill in the blanks. You would do, my personal mission statement is to use my blank. These are your skills. To blank, that's the outcome, for blank, the group of people or whatever you want an impact for, right? You can drop, any of the blanks, you can add even more blanks, but this will get you started, right? Like with this, 
Um, you could have, okay, my personal mission statement is to use my organizational skills to help provide food to vulnerable people. Now it's great, right? It makes clear what you will say no to and what you get excited and out of bed for every day. So again, you're going to fill in some blanks. What are the skills you want to use? What is the outcome you're trying to achieve? And what group of people or group of whatever are you trying to impact? Again, my personal mission statement is to use my blank to blank for blank. And while that's a good starting point, it's also pretty specific and can be pretty restrictive. And that's why I generally prefer this second approach. First, identify what value you can provide the world. Second, identify who you want to provide that value to. Third, identify the core skills you want to use to deliver that value. And finally, cut out any specifics or excessively descriptive words. I'm going to use Oprah's mission statement for this one. Her mission is to be a teacher and to be known for inspiring her students to be more than they thought they could be. So her value that she wants to provide is inspiration, inspiring. Who are her students? Her core skill is teaching, cutting out the specifics. Well, that's, that's invisible here because we're seeing the final product, but she could have started with something about her highly motivated students or providing lifelong impactful inspiration, but she cut it down to the minimum necessary. This step is really important because we tend to get hung up on adjectives and descriptors that ultimately distract from the core point. Now we can dive a lot more deeply into this. If you want more, I recommend listening to the episodes TOS, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, and DS9, Playing God. Now that you have your personal mission statement and you've shared it with me on social media, you're going to want to identify your duty. For me, it's those opportunities to actively enrich someone's life. Those are one-on-one -on -one conversations, problem solving, and often process improvements. When I, when I have a calendar full of one-on-one -on -one engagements, I wake up excited and ready to rock. When I wake up in the morning and the long gets out of morning. So with your personal mission statement, what are your duties? What will clear the fog of the siren song of Netflix or TikTok or I don't, I don't know, Roblox? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do these days? I don't know. But what will clear the fog of the siren song of distractions in your life? Star Trek makes this pretty simple, right? Maybe a little too simple in this episode, but that makes it easy to adapt and see yourself in it. And while Kirk's duty has been pretty consistent through all of Star Trek, you know, this moment made perfect sense in the episode. Uhura hasn't really been clear in what her duty is. But in this episode, we see that her duty is also to the Enterprise and the people serving on board. And let's talk about those people, right? They are some of the best at what they do. We see this more explicitly in The Next Generation, like in the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode on TNG Q Who, where they outright say an assignment to the Enterprise is a really big deal. And that's been the case since the beginning. So when things start going south in this one, when the men are clearly the ones affected by the signal, <laughs> of course Uhura is right on top of it. Before the men had even gone onto the planet's surface, she'd noticed that things weren't right. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. 
and had Nurse Chapel confirm that she was seeing what she thought she was seeing. Then she saw they'd been operating off of false sensor readings. Whoa, 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 whoa. I am sorry. Are you trying to say the word sensors? Because to me, you're saying sensors. Sensor readings? <laughs> so she takes immediate action. Taking command of this ship. She comes up with a plan and she starts executing. She doesn't check to see if it's okay. She doesn't ask for approval. She just does it. And once she takes the final step, I am assuming command of the Enterprise. She focuses all forces on solving the problem. Under her leadership, they figure out how the signal's affecting the men, attempt to find a way to reverse the aging, and come in for the rescue. This was the perfect example of what it looks like when you have a team of capable, empowered, and enabled people working with you. Like, there's a version of this where everything falls apart because no one is able to step up and take charge. They keep looking around for, for validation. They keep asking for approval. Imagine what this episode would have looked like if Uhura asked Scotty if it was okay for her to take command, or, or if she and Chapel just sat in sickbay complaining about everything. Oh, look at Scotty just sitting in the captain's chair singing. Hey, look at me. I'm the science officer and I'm getting fooled by a song. <laughs> There would have been a lot of dead dudes, and they never said what happened to the women on the ships that were taken before. Mm, could be bad news for everybody. But if we're being honest, I'll bet that is exactly what happens in most workplaces. Leadership is either absent or ineffective or distracted by some siren song. So people just huddle with the cliques they work in and complain. Enough people start complaining, and then management acts, but not to solve the problem. No, now they're focused on shutting up the complainers. Uhura doesn't complain. She takes action, and she does it right away. Now, I want to be honest, I want to be clear here that there can be value in complaining. Like, <laughs> I mean, we all know it can feel pretty good, right? And if someone hears you, like actively listens to you, it can either validate your feelings or help you to see things differently. But I've always tried to live by a rule. And that rule is that you get to complain once. And after that, you either do something about it or you accept it. It's honestly a pretty powerful rule to live by. In past episodes of the podcast, like TOS, The Omega Glory, I've talked about Kirk's skill as a manager. <laughs> He's great. And Ahura proves that here. He's created a culture where people are able to solve problems as they see them, even if that means relieving the senior officer of command and taking over yourself. Now, to build a culture like that, there's a lot of things that have to happen, but I'm going to talk about three of them. First, building trust. Second, developing capability. And third, being crystal clear about the mission and the expectations around it. From Ahura's actions, we see there's real trust between the members of the crew. Chapel doesn't question Uhura. She just supports her. When she calls for an all-woman security team, she gets an all-woman security team. She doesn't have to stop and explain herself to everybody. When she relieves Scotty, he's totally cool with that. Then we see her capabilities. She reads and interprets sensor logs. She executes security protocols, and she encourages scientific exploration. And she does all of these things because she understands the mission and the expectations around that mission. So good on Kirk, right? Fantastic management, great culture building. But the real hero here is Uhura, and not just for being the only woman on the bridge when the men started acting weird. She called Nurse Chapel up to basically confirm that she was seeing what she thought she was seeing. Why didn't Chapel 
step up and take command. Why didn't any of the other women? Well, because Uhura is awesome. Time to be awesome. Now, yeah, there is a line where she says she's the senior lieutenant, so it's partially her job to step up, but she could have very easily let someone else step up. But she's demonstrating a leadership mindset here. There's a need, and she's going to fill it. You can do this as well. It's as simple as raising your hand when the opportunity presents itself. And it's important to note, the opportunity isn't always going to be obvious when it shows up. When you see a need, fill it. And, and the important part, fill it well. Uhura led brilliantly. She saw the need. She raised her hand, filled that need, and she did it very well. That's the same for you. There's not a great onboarding program where you work. Build one. The schedule is confusing and people are missing shifts because of it. Fix it. If it's impacting you, it's not someone else's problem. It's your problem. Don't wait on someone else because, because you'll be waiting a long time. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen someone else on anyone's name badge before. And maybe, maybe that's because they're so busy solving all the world's problems, apparently. No, honestly, it's up to you and it's up to your team. To put a really fine point on that, Uhura stepped up, raised her hand, and filled the leadership need. But she leaned on the experts to do the skilled work, the scientific work for a cure, the security work on the planet, the tech work on the ship's shields. So maybe fixing the schedule isn't your strong suit, but I'll bet someone knows how to do it or could figure it out. See the problem, fill the leadership role, and help point the right people at the right problems. So don't wait for someone else. Don't sit and complain. Be like Uhura. You be someone else. You can be the person that helps solve the problem. I was absolutely serious when I said I wanted to hear what your personal mission statement is. If you're willing, I'd love to hear your process in determining it too. There's a link in the show notes for our discussion group. That's a great place to share it. But you can also share it on social media. I'm on Twitter at SFLA podcast, and you can get me on all the other social media at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T as in Thela, A-K-I-N. And as I said at the top of the episode, there are just a few more days left in the Red Squad recruitment drive. When you subscribe to the Starfleet Leadership Academy Patreon and join Red Squad, Red Squad, Red Squad, Red Squad, Red you get access to bonus episodes, and depending on what level you join at, you can get some cool merch and even get access directly to me through Starfleet Command. Plus, if you join during the drive, and there are just a few more days to do that, you'll be invited to a live Ask Me Anything that I'll host on Zoom. Now, computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. Oh, this is a big one. To date, I think we've watched seven episodes of Enterprise. And while some of them have been good episodes, they haven't really shown us great leadership in action. In fact, so far, Archer and Lorca are two that we learn the most from by looking at the opposite of what they do. Well, this episode flips the entire series of Enterprise on its head and sets up some very controversial moments for Captain Archer. Next time, we'll be watching the second season finale, episode 26 of the second season, The Expanse. Yep, 
It's the one that kicks off the Zindi War. I am super excited to watch this one through a leadership lens, and there's no one I'd rather have along with me than you. So until then, Ex Astra Scientia! Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Acid.